Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for another week. How you doing, bud? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, yeah, that's don't really have much to report. Um, so yeah, let's just get into it. Yeah, it's uh, it's the first week of the month, which obviously is request week, which is uh, which is awesome. And this week we're going to do um, an amorphous album, which, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm a little surprised that we're doing only because it's not one of the newer albums that I was really familiar with. So I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. But before before we jump right into that, anything new this week that came out that you enjoyed? Uh, just another slew of singles um, ha- had co- been released. Uh, I can't remember if I'd mentioned it last week, but uh, Within Temptation has a new single called Shed My Skin, which came out. Um, Manimal has another single from their upcoming album, Armageddon, called uh, The Inevitable End. Leprous has a new single from their uh, upcoming album, Aphelion, called Running Low. And uh, and there was one other song that, um, now that Charlotte Wessels is kind of on her own and, and, and out of Delane, uh, she's been releasing some tracks on her own and she has a new one called superhuman um has more of a indie rock vibe than than i guess a metal vibe but um if you're a fan of her vocals as much as i know we are um i, I think it's definitely worth checking out so that's just some of the the new stuff I, I i can't say i had a chance to listen to all of that stuff yet um but it's in my queue ready to ready to be listened to i'm sure i will get to it uh during the week so um yeah, that's that's what was new for me. Nice. I I, I haven't heard um, the Within Temptation. I didn't even know that that had came to come out. I did hear the Manimal, and if you're a fan of the band, you're gonna love this track. There's no question about that. And Leprous just never ceases to amaze. I'm a huge huge fan of the band. So whenever I see that they've come out with something new, I, I check it out immediately. And Running Low is no exception. Um, I have high expectations for the album as I as I always do with their stuff. Uh, but there's actually three other albums or, or albums that are either coming out or have just come out that I wanted to just mention briefly. The first is a band that I had never heard of, but I ran it by you earlier this week. And it turns out that you're uh, familiar with them. And that's Spirit Box out of Canada. Kind of like an alternative metal with... Um, a female singer who is quite, quite uh, accomplished. I'll, I'll, I'll say that a really unique sound, but I, I, I really enjoy these guys. And they, they came out with a single a couple of weeks ago, I guess, maybe even a couple of months ago now called circle with me. I believe the album is due out a little bit later this year. I'm really looking forward to this. Um, a mutual friend had turned us on to them, if I'm not mistaken, or turned you on to them. Yes. Uh, the, the other Justin, um, our friend Justin Westmoreland from um, Texas, uh, brought them to my attention um, uh, probably a few months ago. I think I had added uh, a song, the song that he re- that he recommended. I added it to um, one of my playlists that can be accessed via Spotify. I am blanking on um, the name of the song, but uh, it looks like they don't actually have a full length album yet yeah, this album in September uh, eternal blue is going to be their debut. Um, but they have released um, a couple of EPs uh, with, uh, and a bunch of singles. So it looks like um, high hopes. This'll be this the, this will be their be first full length, full length album. I, I think it's going to be good. I have high hopes for it as well, just based on the couple songs that I heard, but this one in particular really rocked. Uh, another single that was that came out just yesterday, actually, was by Dino Jalusic, the former singer of Animal Drive, and he's also toured with TSO. 
I think that uh, the name of the song actually is called Healer. Uh, it's 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 he's got a unique ability to take a good song and make it great and make a great song like out of this world. He might be the best young singer in like hard rock and heavy metal right now. Truly, that's how good this guy's voice is. Uh, so when he started releasing some of this solo material, I got very, very excited. I saw the single and it's just really, really good stuff. I mean, the guy's got a soulful voice, but it's with such power and such energy. Um, he's one of my favorite vocalists far and, you know, I, I love Animal Drive. I know that they recently called it quits, but the solo material, um, picks up right where Animal Drive left off. And if you haven't heard it, highly, highly recommend it. Yeah. Um, I've seen him perform with Trans-Siberian Orchestra and he's a, a really fantastic vocalist. And it was disappointing to hear that, um, him and Animal Drive had parted ways, but, uh, I, I think that there's, um, a big, I think it's a big career. Uh, ahead for for Dino for sure. Yeah, no no question about that. And then one other album which was uh, really interesting to me was that uh, a band called Scale the Summit. They're a prog metal band from Houston, Texas, and they released a bunch of albums over the years, and they've all been instrumental, which it's very good. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of instrumental prog metal, but they do a good job. And I saw them on tour with Dream Theater. God, it's got to be over 10 years ago now. Um, and, and they're good. And I, you know, I was, I'm not the biggest fan, but I enjoyed their work, but they just released a new album. But unlike their other albums, they had a bunch of guest vocalists, eight in total guests on this album. Ironically enough, Courtney LaPlante from Spirit Box is one of those vocalists. Ross Jennings from Haken. Oh my god! I uh, thought you were gonna say Courtney Love. That, yeah. that really now that that, that that would be that would be that would be something for sure. Um, they they got singers from kind of all over the place. Ross Jennings from Haken, uh, Eric Emery from Sky Harbor, uh, Mike Semeski from Raunchy, which is another like band that I actually enjoy a lot. And and what was perhaps the most interesting to me, uh, and the reason why I just had to check this disc out was a guest spot from a singer called Joseph. Secheroli, who is the lead singer from the Reign of Kindo. And um, we've not discussed them on this show, but they are f- probably my favorite band. They are not a hard rock band. They are not a heavy metal band. They're more of like an alt rock or like a prog jazzy rock thing. I, they're kind of one of a kind. But um, the singer has a phenomenal voice, and he kind of guessed it on this song called Jackhammer Ballet. And I finally got to hear the whole album and, and his vocal performance. And it is fantastic. Very, very different from his other band, obviously. Um, but it was just a really nice synergy between the scale, the summit Prague and his vocals. So I'm definitely going to post that track this week. Highly recommend it. Cool. Yeah, that yeah. sounds awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I, Reign of Kindo has the distinction of uh, being one of my favorite band shirts that I own courtesy of you. Um, so should be good. Yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, yeah. Hearing that, um, it, you know, like I said, I, I a lot of times, I, like this is the first I'm hearing of some of this stuff. So usually, after you mention it, I will go out of my way to to give it a listen. And and you know, you're you're batting a thousand so far. I'll say nice, that. nice. Put me in the All Star game. Um, <laughs> but let's get to the reason why we're here. Um, we, we are we, we got a request from a longtime listener of the show, um, Daniel Lee. He wanted us to talk about Amorphous and specifically their LG album, which is kind of interesting, as I said, because this is not um, this is not the album I would have chosen. I knew we were going to do this band eventually just because they have such an awesome discography. 
Uh, this album came out in May of 1996, and I was not listening to the band at the time. And to be honest with you, I didn't start listening to this band for more than a decade later. Uh, but this is one of their first albums, and it's really um, a really nice, I think, turning point for the band, which we'll get into. But I, I, what, you know, why don't we start with why Daniel actually chose this particular album? Uh, yeah, so um, he, uh, he, he was kind enough to send us a few words about it, and um, this is what he had to say. Uh, he said, this album was my gateway to European metal, pretty much. Uh, remember, three tracks got played on a metal show on independent radio in 1996, and I had to go out and find the album. Uh, those tracks were The Orphan, My Cantel, and Elegy. Uh, for a, a long, long time, this would have been my favorite Amorphous album, but uh, 1994's Tales from a Thousand Lakes is now, uh, but no doubt now the band is in a rich vein of form uh, with Queen of Time and uh, Under a Red Cloud, which also are amazing records. Thanks for doing my request. Uh, I'm eagerly anticipating to hear what you think of the album. So um, that's what Daniel had to say, and we thank him for the recommendation. And uh, yeah, um, thank you, Daniel. Yeah, and, and to set the stage, he mentioned his favorite album, Tales from a Thousand Lakes, which is their second release. This was their third album, uh, as I said, back in 1996. And then since then, they've just been churning out albums every couple of years. Uh, interestingly enough, they've had a number of lineup changes throughout kind of the entire um, the entire run. But I guess the key here is that their guitar player, Essa uh, Halapainen, who we've discussed his solo records as of late, um, he's he's been playing lead guitars from them for them since the very beginning. And I think that that's um, very, very prevalent on this disc. You can hear his influence uh, throughout the whole thing. So it's it's not too surprising. But on this particular album, uh, they had a very, uh, you know, the, the, the singer that everyone kind of knows, which is Tommy Judson. He started the, with the band in 2005, so this was almost 10 years before he even got in the band. Um, singing on this disc was um, a singer by the name of Posse Koskinen, who is just a very, uh, got a very unique voice. And I'm curious, before we even get into the album, what did you think of Posse's vocals on this? Uh, I did not know that, um, I didn't know that Tommy was not their singer from the beginning. Um, uh, to be honest with you, my, my, deep knowledge of amorphous pretty much didn't exist uh, up until listening to this. Um, I just kind of always, I guess at the point in time in which I started listening to amorphous, um, Tommy had already begun singing as their vocalist. So I wasn't really even aware that they had a, another vocalist that, at a, a certain point in time. So that was interesting. And that kind of caught me off guard the first time I listened to the album, but um I thought it was it was quite good. I mean, it was a little bit different than what we've come to expect, but um, definitely a, a very good, strong uh, performance. And um, he definitely does the the clean vocals and the and the growls really well. And um, my understanding is that um, this was Amorphous's first album with clean vocals. Is that correct? Yeah. So I I like I said I started listening to this band right around the time that Skyforger had come out. And then I went back and I checked out Silent Waters, which had come out right before that. And since then, I've been a, just a massive, massive, massive fan of the band. But every time somebody would bring up Amorphous, they always talked about Tales from the Thousand Lakes. So I went back and I, I was very familiar with that album as well. It is extremely heavy, very much a death metal album. Um, 
touches of cleans, but for the most part, Elegy is a very, very different release. Um, and we kind of talk about this a lot when we, when we do these kind of a, um, a, a pivotal record for them because it, I think that it bridges that old sound, but with, with a much more of a progression towards the albums that you hear today. Again, different vocals, but the cleans are, are very prevalent on this disc and, and you kind of get a 50, 50 mix between the growls and the clean vocals. And it, I, I think that this is really now where they get into that whole style that they have today. This is kind of where it kicked off with, with this album, even through the lineup changes. Yeah, you could definitely hear that that influence of of uh, Essa's you know songwriting and guitar work. Um, I mean, it it sounds very the, the overall sound sounds very different from what Amorphous sounds like today. But you could definitely pick up on uh, certain thematic, uh, just certain things that you know they've become known for. Uh, or I guess kind of. I mean, I'm not really too familiar with the the first two albums. Um, but I'm guessing this is kind of where a lot of um, a lot of their a lot of their um, you know themes and things that they would come back to um, kind of got got started. Um, you definitely can hear a lot of that melodic, um, you know, that melodic kind of Middle Eastern sound, especially at the beginning of the the first track, "Better Unborn," because um, there's definitely a strong Middle Eastern influence on. Um, uh, on most of, uh, if not all of, uh, uh, oh my God, I almost said Ailstorm, uh, Amorphous's, <laughs> uh, later releases. Um, so you can definitely hear that, um, kind of show, you know, it shows, it shows up a few times on this album, but, uh, none more prominently than just the, uh, the way that the album starts out. Yeah. I, I, in fact, in my notes, when you talked about Better on Born, my, my initial thought was this is just like Orphan Lands, right? It had that very, it had that, obviously they're from the Middle East, but it just had that, you know, the, the guitar vibe and 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 the way that they mixed them again the different vocal styles I immediately said this could have been an orphan land track on Mabul or something like that it was just um, a really kicks off the album in a way that I guess again just reminds me of all the latter material um, the I immediately noticed that the production wasn't quite as good as the, the latter albums for sure um, by the time they got to Silent Waters they really amped up the production on on all of their records but this one never quite got there, I guess. And, and throughout the whole thing, it just, I think that it leaves something to be desired, but the songs themselves are really, really good. And I immediately recognized that this was a new vocalist that I had never heard this guy sing before. And I'm thinking to myself, he's got a bit of a James Hetfield vibe to him just in terms of the way that he presents his, his, um, presents his sound. Um, but it, it works. It was, uh, you know, this particular track, I thought the lead guitar work was just fantastic underneath some of the vocals during the chorus and stuff like that. It was a subtle touch, but I just thought it was really well done. And I'm not surprised because that's something that Amorphous has been doing for the last, you know, 25 years. I definitely got that James Hetfield vibe as well. Um, I, I, I kind of reminded me of, uh, more of like the kind of mellower James Hetfield vocals that you heard a little bit more on, on like load and reload. It's kind sure, of, sure. Um, not so much like the, the real like heavy, you know, rah, like type of uh, James <laughs> Hetfield stuff, but m- more of like his, his kind of more mellow laid back vocals. His man's um, lyric or something like that. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. the song that kind of came to mind to me. Um, so yeah, I'm glad that you said that. Cause um I felt like I might have been 
on my own on, on that one. But no, uh, no, yeah, it that, may just be the two of us, but we're, we, I think we're definitely onto something. Uh, the second track obviously kicks in. The second track against Widow's uh, Growls kick in right away. I thought this was very, very similar to the newer material. Um, and again, in my notes, I said this was clearly an, a transitional album for them because Thousand Leaks was just so different, in my opinion. And then they went to this album, which was a lot more accessible. And, uh, you know, and again, I could immediately just see that this was paving the way for something else. Against Widows, not my favorite track on the disc. A good, a good track, but I think that the, there was better songs that come later on. What about yourself? Yeah, I like this song too. Um, I, I like, I, I noticed that through the album you hear a lot of like really good that good um that loop of of a guitar riff um yep which the, the this song kind of starts out with that too and, and it's usually a very catchy riff and they that that that's kind of on display on this song as well um yeah i like this song too um this is a good one and uh i also thought the next track the orphan was really interesting because it, it's it's mostly it feels like it's mostly instrumental. I mean, there's some vocal parts, but it's kind of like this very melodic, um, kind of like um, mid-tempo kind of song. Um, I, I enjoyed this one quite a bit as well. Yeah, it's got a really cool intro with the like the acoustic guitars and the keyboards. And, and at first you think it's a ballad, but it slowly starts to pick up. And by the middle of it, it's like this old drinking song. You kind of just want to pick up a pint and start drinking along with it. Uh, really, really cool. And then at the end, it has their you know, something that Amorphous does constantly, but they do it well and they do it just enough that it doesn't get old, which is that patented like key change where they basically play the exact same either phrasing or, 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 or verse, but then they just kind of pick it up a notch and they change the key a little bit and it's just, but if they play the exact same, you know, the same riffs, the same everything, but just in a different key and it just sounds really, really good. And I think it's one of the staples of that amorphous sound. Yeah, I agree. I also really like just that last, that very last chord at the end of the song. Um, it almost reminded me of like a like a, like a church hymn, just kind of the way. Yeah. I don't know why, like just that the, the just that chord for whatever reason just gave me like a end of a church hymn kind of feel. So that's kind of the feeling I got at the end of the orphan. I uh, I, I completely understand what you're talking about, and now we're going to get on to. On Rich and Poor, which, by the way, I think this I, – I hadn't picked a track of the week, but I think this is going to be it for me, and I'm going to tell you why. Amazing riff to start the song. Really, really catchy. It's the, probably the fastest track on the disc. If not, it's certainly the fastest track by this point in the disc. And then it, then it kind of slows down again and picks up. But it's, it's the changing of the tempos and the fact that I just found myself humming this really, really catchy riff the entire week. I'll make it my song of the week. I, I, I thought this was a really underrated track, and I, I would love to see this song live.
Guess what? This is also my song of the week. Get out of here. Is <laughs> yeah, it really? I, We're two in a row. Yeah, what do you know? It's a new streak. Um, Goldberg, look out. Um, <laughs> I, I agree with you. The the guitar riff that, again, like like I said for on Against, against Widows, it's kind of like this repeating guitar riff. And, and when I heard this song, I'm like, why do I... Why is this song so familiar to me? And I realized that it was... Um, I listened to it a bunch of times on the Magic and Mayhem album yes. that they released in 2010, which um, they re-recorded a bunch of songs from their early days. And, and um, it, it turns out that I had listened to the song a bunch of times on that version. So I was already familiar with it. And, and so that familiarity plus the, the catchiness of the song... Um, it just kind of made it an easy choice for me. Yeah, I, I'm with you, man. I just, uh, the, the, let's put it this way. The next track, My Can Tell, is the one that I was most familiar with. It's the track that I've seen live. It was the track that was on their live DVD. Um, probably the most famous track from the album. But the track before it that we just discussed was the one that just blew me away. And it was the one that I kept singing throughout the week. They have the ability to write riffs that just resonate and stick with you and i don't know why how they do this but i think of like later tracks like silver bride and sampo and and just stuff that's later in the catalog the b all of those songs have these really memorable riffs and i would put this up right with all those songs i i couldn't couldn't have said it better myself um <laughs> yeah definitely what did you think of my can't tell because i said this is like the the one lot if, if you're going to get a live song off of this album this would be the one you'd probably hear today yeah this is another one that was um on that magic and mayhem album and and by the way like i i went back and listened to the tracks uh that were that were on this on elegy that were re-recorded for magic and mayhem and i have to say it would have been cool to hear this whole album re-recorded in that style just because like you said there's there's quite a, a jump in production value when you go from 1996 to 2010 um but yeah this is this is very um vintage uh, vintage amorphous um, and you know you'll, you'll get a um, a little bit more of it at the end of the album with the the acoustic reprise that that, that uh, ends the album but um yeah it's kind of uh, definitely emblematic of what amorphous continues to be to this day yeah it's it's interesting they have um, I, I like the newer singer better there's no question about that I think he's a step up he's fantastic live I think he commands the room when he's on stage and I think of this song with him and I just I go nuts for it but the song I mean what, what really stuck out to me on this track and it's different than a lot of their tracks is it's very keyboard driven and the main riff is actually a keyboard riff that just kind of repeats itself throughout the song it's so catchy and I, it's probably the best chorus on the album, maybe the best song on the album, although I won't say it's my favorite, but it's, it's, you, you can tell that this is, th there's a reason why I think that they played this track live as opposed to some of the other material, which is very good. But this one I think is just so catchy that it's a crowd favorite. Yeah. And it also kind of um, sets the table for, you know, a, what what's going to become very a, a very keyboard driven band in the future um not not to say that the keyboards kind of are the spotlight but i mean the guitar, the keyboards and the guitars together are kind of what make uh, amorphous's uh, um you know vintage sound amorphous you know so and totally. i think you definitely get a, more of a taste of that on this song that, than some of the other songs on this album what's interesting to me though is you know so that's the fifth track 
the the album takes a complete turn in my opinion not for better or for worse but just in terms of style with the album with the track cares it, we, you know we obviously had discussed the, the middle eastern vibe and yeah that's prevalent throughout a lot of this uh but cares is probably the most fascinating track on the entire disc it starts off with what I would just consider this kind of slow black metal riff with these keys and guitars that begin the song. My immediate thought was I was listening to an Emperor track. And then after the first verse, it completely changes and it sounds like something Ailstorm would have written 15 years later. And even though it sounds like a really weird contrast between like the two bands, I mean, Emperor and Ailstorm who have nothing in common, it works. And then the third verse and like the last part of the song is like this electronic, almost Mortal Kombat soundtrack like thing going on. I thought this was the most interesting track on the disc by far. Um, it's all over the place, but it's really cool. Like really, really cool. And if you've never heard Cares, if I had to pick a second track, this would have been it because it's just so eclectic. Yeah, and you know what? Since we both chose the same song of the week, maybe we'll play a um, a clip from the song because I, I agree with you that this is super cool and very eclectic. I didn't really, I don't think I made the Ailstorm connection, but you're totally right. Um, it's kind of, you know, like you said, like grab your, grab your mug of ale and, and swing your arm back and forth. Totally. And, and, and then I love the, um, that kind of electronic sound that you mentioned that's, um, towards the end. Like this is a I've very never heard cool anything song. like that before. Yeah. Like very especially cool by, by this band anyway. Yeah. This was this, when you said that this was one of the most interesting songs, I, couldn't couldn't agree more like and <laughs> the mortal combat um comparison's perfect cuz it really i was waiting for somebody to become in like sub zero johnny cage like. <laughs> it's it's so ridiculous but and then as if this wasn't eclectic enough we get into the next two tracks which are basically like a prelude to arion i mean you, <laughs> song of the troubled one and weeper of the shore may as well have been on like I don't know, into the electric castle or something like that. I'm half like expecting Damien Wilson to start singing over an acoustic guitar. Um, the, the former track song of a troubled one has like this space rock vibe to it. And what's weird is you have such a, like a dark name of a track song of the troubled one, but it yet it has this like almost an upbeat vibe, which is something that the band never really does. So I thought that that was really, really fascinating. And then weeper of the shore Again, acoustic tune uh, to start, really, really awesome contrasting vocals, a simple tune, but just 
reminds me of an Ariane track. And I just thought it was so weird how like this album is taking you on this journey, which is just like all over the place. And you don't know what the next track is going to be. Yeah. It's like spin the wheel, make the deal, pick a genre. Um, yeah, <laughs> exactly. The, the, this, I, I think song for, of the trouble one is very cool. I love the, um, like you said, that kind of spacey kind of keyboard sound to it with like really awesome guitar solos. Um, very cool song. And uh, Weeper on the Shore, which is um, our friend Daniel's uh, track of the week, um, starts out, like you said, like with that kind of like acoustic guitar with that keyboard, like that spacey kind of keyboard. Like um, I definitely got the Arion vibe, um, which I didn't think of that either. And now that you mention it, yeah, that's like a great way of putting it. This one also kind of has that kind of like piratey, like, um, you know, like, you know, sea shanty kind of, <laughs> kind of thing. Like, it um, does, but, but somehow it works. And I'm glad that Daniel chose this because it gives me another excuse to listen to the song <laughs> this week because I don't know that I would have gone back to the album, even though obviously you can tell I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's just that, I don't know, like, they have so many good albums. It's like, you know, where do you start with these guys and where do you, where do you go to next? But uh, a good choice for Song of the Week. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I get to hear that again. Yep, agreed. What did you think of Elegy? The title? Um, another, this this was the, the longest track on the album. It, it clocks in at a, a bit over seven minutes, but very epic. Um, very. This is like another, uh, maybe a little bit slower than... Than mid tempo or maybe right around like that kind of area, um, but uh, it doesn't drag for a seven minute song. It's a good tune. Um, I, I enjoyed this quite a bit. I don't know that there were any songs on this album that I didn't like. It's it's funny. This is one of the few tracks that was actually I think it's the only track on the album that was written exclusively by um, Kim Rantala, the keyboard player. It has a different feel to it, and I, and I think that the word you used, epic, is is definitely on point. A bit slow, not my favorite track on the disc, but I think it was well-placed towards the end of the disc, um, just in terms of like the placement and everything else. And again, comparisons galore here, I know. It, it reminded me almost like of, a, of an alternative vibe to it, it to, at least towards the end of the song. And I and I kept thinking to myself, this is 1996. I almost wonder if they had been listening to like Alice in Chains or a Silver Chair because I got that kind of a vibe from the song. I don't even know if they've heard of these bands. Obviously, you know, Alice in Chains being the bigger of the two, Silver Chair being a, a bit of a one-hit wonder from Australia. 
obviously not a metal band, but it's just it, it something about the, this title track reminded me of those alternative bands from like the mid nineties. Yeah, I I thought of Bush actually when I I can hear I that too. This. Yeah, yeah, like early I, I, Bush. You know what? It's it's I'm with you again. Silverchair, Bush, Alice in Chains, all kind of in the same you know same same ballpark here. An interesting track. I'm not saying again that it's my favorite, but it was it was it belongs on the album for sure. And I think it's just again another very very different track in in a, in a string of just eclectic tunes. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Um, I think that the next track, Relief, is probably the weakest track on the album just something and, and the reason i say that is not so much that it's a bad tune i just always forget about it and every single time i listen to the disc and i listen to it a lot this week i always kept forgetting about this track um yeah it's is it completely instrumental i don't think there's any vocals on this one um no there, there are it's just just not memorable if I'm, you know just not i don't know just not not the most memorable of, of songs yeah, it kind of reminds me of like a almost like a like a surfing song or something like that. Or um, I'm trying, I can't put my finger quite on what it is. It, it just I don't know why I'm picturing some guy surfing while I'm listening to this song. Um, it's interesting. Um, I the big surf scene in Finland, from what I understand. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I mean, if this was the last track on the album, I think it would have been very misplaced. Um, but um, it's not so. So we go into the repraise of uh, My Cantel, which is like an acoustic uh, acoustic rendition of it, which is really, really interesting. And again, I guess they go back to what they may consider the best song on the album. Yeah, I think I like this better than the, the main version, actually. Um, really? Yeah, I just, I love the, um, the keyboards are just like that deep purple organ-y kind of sound to it, which I really, really love. I, I think that this is... Um, I just think this is a really this song really lends well to being acoustic. I, I like this version a lot. Nice. I I, um, I I think it's a good way to end the album. It's am I hearing? Uh, and am I hearing like uh, an accordion? Is that an accordion I'm hearing? Like it, it sounds it, like it, or or at least it, like it, it's got a different sound to it. I, I'm not even sure what it is, but I think I, I can totally hear what you're saying. Um, I thought it was again a- like more kind of pirate ship type stuff i get a vibe of that that kind of accordion sound i don't know it's it's interesting it's really interesting how many kind of styles are on on display throughout the album i mean there's so many different like you said there was like you know james hetfield vocals and and uh and black metal intros and and <laughs> you know deep purple keyboard solos and arion track like arion segments i mean they, they really um or you mentioned Orphan Land. I mean, there's there's just so much going on on this album. It's um, I don't know that I ever would have gone back and listened to this uh, this album. I'm I'm really glad that that I had a chance to. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, as I said, I had kind of ignored this band for a really long time, and for some reason, and I've got no excuse. I remember when they were announced for Prague Power. I think it was nine, um, and. For life reasons, I never made it to Prague Power that year. It was one of the few years I didn't make it to the festival. And I kept saying to myself, why is Amorphous headlining? And in my opinion, I thought first they were a new metal band. And then I thought that they were an industrial band. So I clearly did not know who they were. And I had this like inherent bias against the band. And then one day I decided it was probably around 2009. Let me listen to what these guys actually sound like because... Um, 
at the time, as I said earlier, they had just come out with, um, with Skyforger and it blew me away from the first listen. And since that point, I always said that they are just like the most consistent band on the planet where every album is not just good, but great. And then I went back obviously to Silent Waters and Eclipse, both of which are fantastic albums. I just never made it all the way back to Elegy. I just jumped to Tales from the Thousand Lakes, knew it was good but different, and I just went back to the new material again. Um, so I'm really glad I had a chance to listen to this because I don't think I would have ever gotten there either. And it was just for my own you know, crazy biases that I never gave this band a chance. But they are, I mean, th- if this is any proof, they are truly the most consistent band on the planet. Every album is good. I mean, if not very good, if not great. Yeah, yeah, very. I very much agree. I really had no idea that they go went as far back as they did. You know, their first album was released in 1992. I mean, I wasn't even close to listening to metal yet. Um, and when I did start listening, I don't really know that I was very aware of Amorphous until they were announced for that prog power that you mentioned in in 2008. I guess it would have been, um, and that was the year before I started going back to the festival. And I, I've been waiting for them to come back ever since then. And it hasn't happened yet. I'm hoping that um, they make their way back to the prog power stage uh, in the future. But, you know, to be fair, they, they do play in the United States um, fairly regularly. So it's not like they're a, a hard band to see. Yeah. And they're really good live. I mean, I th- I mean, we, we had caught the, the one show in New York um, a couple of years ago. They're just uh, great live. I, I, they're so tight and such a professional band. And to be honest with you, you know, I don't, I don't know of many bands that can play as many shows in the States that as they do when they, when they tour, they, they do a very, very full tour and uh, they draw crowds wherever they go. They're really, they have like a bit of a cult following. They're, they're kind of a big deal. Um, I know that they had played 70,000 tons, if I'm not mistaken. Um, They, they just, they, they have a quite a, quite a following. And I guess after all these albums, um, (laughs) once you listen, you're kind of hooked. and, And that seems to be a testament to their live shows. Yeah, I mean, other than that one guy who fell asleep on the stool, um, I think that Amorphous has quite the live following. <laughs> That's, hey, he was following. He just happened to be asleep for it. But he obviously paid to go see them, so that should tell you something. Um, scale of 1 to 10, what do you think of this album? Uh, I, I kind of I, – I would put it in at about uh, like an 8.25 for me. Um, I thought it was very good. I don't think that it's – you know, as good as some of the later releases, but I was surprised at at, uh, how much I enjoyed this. I, the first time I listened to it, I thought I wasn't going to like it as much as I did because I think it was just so much different from what I've come to expect from the band. And my, my knowledge of their older stuff is really not strong. So um, I ended up enjoying this quite a bit more than I thought. And I'm, I'm really glad uh, Daniel chose it because it, it, again, it's another one of those albums that um, it was good for me to kind of step out of the, the comfort zone or, or just out of the, you know, my usual box of listening to the new Halloween every single day for the rest <laughs> of my life and just listening to something that I had available to me, but just probably would have never thought enough to just put it on. So yeah, um, I, I I'm with you. It, to me, it's, it's a solid eight. Um, as, as most of their albums are between eight, 8.5, where it's just a really, really good album. And this one is no different. Just add it to the, to the list again. Thanks to Daniel for the, for the request. 
everyone else out there, we know you're listening. Send us the requests. We we love it. We have a nice list going, and there's a lot of stuff we look forward to getting getting to in the near future. Um, but with 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 Amorphous's elegy in the books, it, it's actually my week to pick something, and I, I had something picked out for for a while. And then something struck me earlier today, and I said to myself, maybe I should do that one. And then a third album kind of came to, to to light where I said, I think that, that would be really cool too. So I'm going to leave it with you. I can either give you the three albums and I can have you choose one of the three, or I can have you pick between but behind door number one, door number two, or door number three, whatever you like. Or I can even <laughs> put in a randomizer. You tell me how you want to do this. But I got three I got three choices for next week, and we're only doing one. Uh, all right. Why don't you give me all three, and I'll 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 decide. All right. The first album I was going to choose was Rush's Twenty One Twelve, which, believe it or not, is forty five freaking years old this year, which I thought was just amazing, and I thought it was a uh, uh, time we did a Rush album. And then all of a sudden, I just said to myself, I want to listen to something new, but something that I've listened to a thousand times. And I said to myself, I'd like to do Eclipse's Bleed and Scream, which is my my favorite Eclipse album, uh, to do a little bit of a melodic metal vibe. And then the third album I thought about when I was really just thinking about what I was going to say today, how about Orphan Lands Mabul, which I thought would be a really nice segue considering what we just heard. So I'll leave it to you. Door number one, door number two, door number three. I don't think we can go wrong either way. Wow. Um, yeah, those are all albums I really enjoy. Um, and I think albums will definitely get to at, at some point in time. Um, that's a that's a hard choice. Uh, you know what? Let's let's do Rush. Um, nice. I was inclined to go with Eclipse, but you know what? Um, Rush is Rush, and the fact that it's uh, 45 years old and, and we haven't done any Rush albums yet, I, I think uh, I think it's time. Yeah, I think we're going to get to the other ones, but I, I when I thought to the, when I said to myself, this album came out in 17, 1776, this album is 245 years old. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about an album that holds up. Kidding aside, it came out in nineteen. They were playing this when they were playing this when they put up the Liberty Bell, if I recall. <laughs> uh, they, they, in Canada, maybe. Um, really, I'm happy you chose that. It was it was really the album I was going to choose until I kind of went off in these other directions. Let, let's do some Rush next week and go back to a little bit of Prague, and then uh, you know soon thereafter you'll get to choose another one, and then obviously in in the beginning of uh, August we'll have uh, another fan choice. Keep them coming. Please send us, uh, you, you know, give us a five-star review if you think we've deserved it. It helps other people find the show and uh, interact with us on social media. It just helps other people find the show as well. So thanks for the support. We hope you had a good week, and we'll catch you next week when we go back to 1976 with some Rush. Not 1776. We can go back there too, but uh, <laughs> we'll save that for the following week. Take it easy, bud. I hope you enjoy it. All right. Take care, bud.